Welcome to the Two Cities Podcast. I'm John Anthony Dunn, and today we're going to talk about church during the age of the coronavirus outbreak. And in particular, we want to ask the question, is virtual communion valid? And there's really two parts to that. On the one hand, there's the communion of the saints, the idea of virtual communion where we're all in isolation. Also, the Eucharist, To what degree is it valid for us to take communion in isolation from each other? Joining me today is a panel of Two Cities team members from around the world. We have Chris Song calling in from California. How's it going, Chris? Doing good, thanks. And we have Logan Williams calling in from Durham, England. How's it going? Love from isolation. And then we also have Brandon calling in from Durham, England. Hey, how's it going? And then finally, we have Josh Carroll calling in from Dallas. How's it going, Josh? What's up, everybody? So how's it going in all of your churches? What are your churches doing to try to address this issue of virtual communion of the saints? How are your churches distinctive in their efforts to provide communion to the local congregations. I volunteer Brandon to speak because both of us were in a staff meeting for about four hours today. And he <laughs> runs media and comms for our church. So his life is much harder than mine in that regard. So Brandon. Oh, thanks, Logan. Yes. Um, yes, we had a very long staff meeting and it feels like every week or so we just are constantly shifting. So the the first week mm-hmm. when it wasn't really when it wasn't official lockdown or, you know, just kind of keep a meter apart, we live streamed with a an iPad. And this past week, we had a full kind of no one could come into church, closed worship. No one uh, of the public was allowed in our church during the service. And we had a very stressful but successful live stream service. And this week, well, Logan and I and other people at our church are trying to figure that out (laughs) by Sunday, because we're now trying to stream multiple parts of a service from individual homes. So That'll be a fun challenge. And just for context, it was only last night that Boris Johnson announced that everyone Mm -hmm. basically can't leave their homes. So that means that church has to go completely digital and we have to create services basically from our homes. And what what we have ended up, we, we agreed on today is that we will each record our different contributions to the service. So the person doing intercessions and there's, there's a person preaching and there's a person doing music. And we record those all individually, and then Brandon and others will splice it all together and then host it as a live stream uh, on Sunday, even though we've uh, already put the video together. So that's, that's our temporary solution. Uh, who knows if it will, it will continue or, or, or what? Or work. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, that's, what we're, that's what we're doing. Um, so on, uh, on our end, this is Chris uh, over in California, um, the church where I meet. Um, we're now on our third Sunday um, going digital. The, uh, the, the shelter-in-place orders in California happened um, right around the second week of March. We're all still sort of learning as we go, um, kind of like what Logan and Brandon were saying. Um, we, we definitely wanted as many voices um, and, and faces in the, in, in the screen, as it were, as possible, mm. um, rather than just having... Uh, you know, one of the pastors or elders um, give an address. What we were able to do for the first time this past Sunday successfully was alternate pre-recorded elements with the live stream. So that was really nice. So we have the pastor wow, there cool. um, where he's, uh, he's talking and, you know, he's not, you know, giving old news because <laughs> the news changes like literally every two hours. 
Um, and so he's able to be present. People are able to sort of uh, chat in and, and, and give encouragements that way. But, you know, we have other folks um, pre-record the music. Um, other folks pre-record elements of prayer, uh, elements of announcements. And um, I think that really makes it feel very much more of a participatory uh, uh, experience. And it makes it feel like it's your church's life rather than, and I think one of the ways that, you know, we've expressed the question is, you know, can, can I, can I go to somebody else's live stream or some other church and, uh, and do worship that way? Um, what makes it particular? What makes it your church as your church? And I think, you know, the more that uh, a stream can incorporate uh, the, the participation of other folks, um, I think you're making a lot more steps in that direction of making it very much your own church um, in that particular time. Yeah. Okay, so we're here in Texas, and we are in our second week of doing digital live, our digital services, and we're still trying to figure out what communion looks like. We don't celebrate communion. We only celebrate communion uh, first of every month, and so we still have another week or so. Um, but if I, if I was going to hazard a guess, I would look at communion as something that we're going to do in our life groups. Um, so instead of having it on a digital a Sunday morning service where the pastor is doing that and issuing communion, we would encourage our life group leaders who pastor their groups to uh, have a communion service inside their own group time during the week. So then they're present and together with each other. Are you still able to gather in that way? Yes. Uh, no, they're, so they're doing things. Some of the smaller groups were gathering in that way for a while. Um, but I would probably ask the uh, life group leader to do the same thing that we're thinking about the digital communion, taking communion together over zoom or skype or google hangouts or whatever so, so you'd all have your own elements bread and wine or grape juice depending where you're at <laughs> yeah i'd encourage the life group leaders to tell the people to pick that kind of stuff up or figure it out just get ready to celebrate it um as the small group together so josh you're um the, the way your church has suggested to do it um is in my mind quite um ideal and acceptable for such a difficult time like this however uh, Brandon and I are in the Church of England, and part of canon law in the Church of England is that you would not be allowed to do communion like that, especially if there's a, a not, not an ordained minister who's there to bless the elements. So uh, we are in a position where, because we're not gathering in the presence of an ordained minister, we're actually, according to canon law, not able to take communion. And I just want to put it out there to all of you, uh, and I have my own opinions on this, but I'll voice them later. Do you think that in, in that kind of situation where your church has historic rules that they've set in place, do you think that members of the Church of England should not take communion during how, you know, for however long we won't be able to publicly gather? There are other churches in this situation as well, I'm sure, other denominations. But I was wondering what the rest of you thought about that. So I've, I've served in several different denominations. Nothing as high church as what you're talking about, but a little more high church in Scotland in the Presbyterian realm. And our church is a, is a Bible church that was set up by uh, one of the DTS guys back in the day. And they specifically went and and. Did, it did things that were um, actively against some of the high church uh, things that were prominent. And so 
the priesthood of believers, all that kind of different stuff is really high value for our church. And uh, that's the aspect of communion. I don't, we don't have a canon law or anything like that that says an ordained minister has to give it. Yeah. So, so specifically, I'm wondering what you think about those people in the Church of England who have placed themselves presumably under the authority of the archbishop and their bishops and their vicar, all of whom themselves will be submitting to this canon law and not administering communion and not encouraging others to do communion. So for for those in the Church of England, do we think that we should bypass canon law and the direction and position of presumably the archbishop, or should we cease to take communion for an indefinite amount of time? It's not just Church of England. It's also Catholic, Church oh, yeah, of England, yeah. Methodist. I mean, it's it's presumably probably a, a good half of Christianity at yep. the moment can't take communion. So is that a decision right. your leaders have to make in the process, though? Like the archbishop, they would have to make that decision for you. Is that how it works? Or? They, they would have to somehow change canon law, which is incredibly difficult to do. And somebody mentioned to me that it would take at least five years to do that. <laughs> yeah. Do they have provisions during times of crisis for things like this? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that, this is the difficulty, right? Because if they were to make a provision, then presumably they'd be bypassing that historic law. But yeah. there are also rules in place that in order to change those laws, you have to go through a process. <laughs> so right. there, yeah. there are provisions set out to change them, but it, it's kind of like, could you make an emergency amendment to the Constitution? Like, well, you know, the Constitution allows itself to be amended, but it's for good reason, a very tedious and slow and difficult process. So, Chris, I think you had you were yeah. You were well, so something. I mean, so, so there, there's several things that um, I, I think it, it'd be helpful to maybe take one step back in terms of um, not so much looking just at the individual church order and the particular particularities of yeah. um, different church situations, you know, that has its host of own issues that probably need to be resolved within that administration. I think it might also, it might be helpful to um, step back to just ask what, what are the concerns about, you know, about sort of just an emergency type of virtual communion? You know, what are the, what are the dangers of just having a live stream communion and this is not what i'm i'm suggesting i'm not saying that churches should just sort of you know during their live stream say hey, okay everybody go get some bread um and some juice and let's you know let's let's all pretend that we're in the same virtual space and take this mm-hmm. together i think all of us in this chat would agree that there's some there's some problems with that you know in in your minds what are the what are the sort of the the boundaries and what are the things that would concern us just in terms of giving uh, pastors some guidance when they think through these questions? But, I mean, yeah. So what, what's strange in, in this kind of situation for me is that in, in any other situation, I would say, you know, why would you take communion by yourself? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not much of a fan of people going on a retreat and then taking communion together or people taking communion in their, in their small group. I think I'm, I'm of the conviction that it should only be done at moments of public worship. And that, and that for me, is a conviction about what communion is. Um, I'm also very um, ardently committed to an open table theology because I do think that communion is, is a way of leveling the playing field between sinner and saint, rich and poor, and you know, prominent, non-prominent. Everyone gets down 
uh, kneels before the altar and receives the same bread and the same wine because everyone needs the mercy of Jesus's blood and body. And so for me, to, to do communion exclusively is to deny the kind of welcome that communion is supposed to be in my mind. So in any other situation, I would say, I would tell people, I, I, would, I wouldn't personally be comfortable with taking communion outside of an a instance of public worship. However, this is a situation that obviously is utterly unique and a situation that I'd never imagined myself being in. And so all of a sudden I have to think about now, would I recommend taking communion in, in, in isolation? Uh, and I think in this instance, we need to not think in terms of valid and invalid. I think it's very easy to start thinking, oh, well, com- you know, communion on a Sunday is valid and communion not on a Sunday is not valid or communion not at public worship is not valid. I wouldn't say for me that the places where I wouldn't take communion, it's, 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 it's because those acts of communion are invalid or people are not really meeting Christ or anything like that. I think for me, it, it's a matter of ideal and less ideal. Mm-hmm. It's ideal, I think, and most appropriate to the sacrament that we do it during an act of public worship. However, it seems like we've come to a time where we might need to do something that's less than ideal, but also more ideal than other options. So is taking communion in isolation or maybe with just the people in your house or your family or you know, with everyone else at the same time during a live stream? Is that more ideal than not taking it at all? And I think when we think in those kinds of categories, it opens up a lot of different solutions. Um, but I do think that to really focus on your question, Chris, I mean, I think for me, if you're choosing to do communion digitally, even though you don't have to, then that would raise lots of questions for me because it's certainly the less ideal situation. And it creates, you know, a kind of me, Jesus, and the Bible theology where, you know, all I need is, is my experience with Jesus by myself. And I can, you know, administer communion by saying, oh, here's the body of Christ broken for me, mm-hmm. which would be a wild thing for me to <laughs> hear someone say. But yeah, so I, I think obviously there are certain kinds of thought patterns that are reflected and created by taking communion in isolation. And I think that for many, that's what they should and need to do at this time, but we do need to be careful that we are still thinking outside of the, the, the box of, the, of communion and isolation. And so mm-hmm. I think that has, I think we all need to be kept on our theological toes, so to speak, when we ever, when every time we take communion, if you are taking communion with your house or by yourself or with everyone else digitally or whatever, uh, with the own elements that you provide, that you recognize that this is not the ideal situation and this is not where you want to be taking this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. That it's, it's kind of a, a liminal space for me to be really yeah. cliche and use that term. Yeah. But I like yeah. that idea a lot, though, of thinking of it in terms of more ideal and less ideal. I think that's really appropriate for the situation, given how um, the cir- circumstances are, are, you know, beyond everyone's control. And at at my church, we take communion every week. Uh, We're a Baptist church, but we take communion every week. I I say but because, of course, a lot of Baptist churches are are likely to do it more infrequently, Um, (laughs) maybe monthly or or quarterly or something. But at our church, it's a commitment. We take it. We we do communion every week. And I I, um, have the privilege of uh, helping out with serving communion, we we do it by intinction, and uh, I 
uh, often um, down up at the front. So basically the whole congregation gets up, queues up and heads down to the front and we serve communion to each other in that way. And and I love it. My, my theology of the Eucharist is a, a lot more informed by sort of Anglican or Reformed thought than, you know, like a, a Zwinglian or, or, or typical Baptist way of thinking about the Eucharist. And so I, I share a lot of the hesitations that have been uh, expressed, but I do think that way of thinking about it in terms of ideal and or more ideal, less ideal is really helpful because, yeah, in any other situation, we would not want to promote a, it's just you and Jesus and your Bible sort of theology or ecclesiology. You right? Yeah, you, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and so I do think that that is a really helpful way to think about it. So at our church, we've continued to do uh, communion through live streaming in in the normal manner that we always do it, with the caveat that you provide your own elements, but there's still the, the, the same sort of process of how we move from the sermon uh, into a reflection on the Eucharist and then into taking it, which I think is, is you know, a, a great sort of more ideal than not taking it approach, like you said, Logan. Yeah, hey, I would. I would question like what things are in place already in your guys' areas, your different church, the way you celebrate communion for people like shut-ins or for people that can't attend a Sunday morning service and be in presence. And and is that something where yeah. you take and build off of and say, well, we've already had yeah. provisional. <clears throat> is it headed in that way too, with what we're going to do now? Yeah, Josh, that, that's a really great question, because I think, I think a lot of these conversations around the Eucharist, these are the same conversations that people with disabilities have been having right. for a while now. We're, the rest of the world is now just in the same position. It, and so now we're trying to think through these things. And I think those who um, either are, who are isolated, shut-ins, who physically can't get to a, a local church, um, not even the one they want to go to, just a local one, they can't leave their home. You can think about people who are on a sickbed or who physically can't have the elements. You know, what do they do? They would love to take communion, but they can't. And so I know within certain denominations, I know Catholic and Church of England and others, I'm assuming, uh, they have a thing with, that's called spiritual communion, uh, which is what the Church of England is uh, suggesting right now, and Catholic as well, is that uh, while the priest will take communion um, or the vicar will take communion, the uh, spiritual uh, blessing will still come to those who earnestly desire to take communion. And so though they don't participate physically, they still receive the spiritual blessing. And this spiritual communion in itself is, is good enough, basically. Uh, it's not ideal, but it is good and, and, and is still worthwhile. Uh, so I, I think that's what's been in place for, for a while now. Let me, um, let me just jump in there. I, um, I think for, for churches that are local but are still meeting together in this unusual situation, we can reach for other other analogies and other points of correspondence besides disabilities and shut-ins, although I think that's a really good one, and I think it's an important one to flag and to, to make as, as sort of, you know, what, what the comparisons are. You know, I just think of folks that are in spillover rooms or in the cry room at mm. churches, depending on how large the building is. Physically, you're in terms of space, depending on how it's architecturally laid out, some cry rooms are pretty far away from the place of meeting, and the only thing that really tethers them to the service 
is precisely the same thing that we have now, which is a screen, an audio, vi- an audio video feed. You know, the, the interesting question that can arise in something like that is, well, can a person in, in the spillover room participate in communion? Imagine, you know, foreseeably, that's already in place. You know, one of the leaders or elders is there in, in that room and offering, offering the elements that way. And so is it, is it so much of a stretch, you know, not to be mistaken, I'm not, I'm not advocating for sort of a generalized live stream Eucharist where, um, you know, anybody can log in and then, you know, you know, you know, count, count, you know, to the, on the count of three, let's, let's eat together. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that it should sort of be a general virtual Eucharist, but is there a space where maybe not a live stream, but, a but, you know, an online zoom call or a conference call where you actually can see everyone. Um, that are members of the church taking it together with the same blessing, with the same recognition and the same invocation of remembrance of what the elements are and what they're, what the institutions are. I, I, at that point, I think some of the concerns that people have about the meal that's being blessed by the minister and um, being provided as, as a meal that's served for the members of the church, I think we can start actually trying to alleviate some of those concerns. Um, so for instance, in our church, you know, the conversations that we're having, at least internally, you know, none of, none of this is formal right now. This is mainly just through text correspondence and things like that. But what if we had hygienically sealed elements that are blessed and the elders are driving it and delivering it? Again, this is only possible because of the weird age we're in, but hmm. they're being delivered um, on Saturday night to the, to the members that we know that are going to participate. They participate simultaneously on, on the call. We get to see each other in the eye as we take it. Again, we're we're talking ideal and less than ideal. You know, the the image of Daniel praying to to the direction of Zion, to the direction of a temple that is now destroyed, hmm. um, but still nevertheless praying oh, in that yeah. direction as as yeah. a, as a sign or as a symbol of of what um, what will be restored. I think that these are these are good things to have in mind, and I think it is I, I think it is a good practice for churches to do. You know, I commend them. I know that other other folks might have other misgivings, but I think that if care is taken to alleviate some of those concerns, I think we're closer to the cry room situation than maybe other people are willing to grant. The first time I ever heard about virtual communion type issues was when I heard about the video game Second Life, I think it's called, where you have oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> where you have these avatars, you know, walking around in like a secondary world that for some people is their primary world because of how much they play it. Apparently, there's this dynamic where there are churches that where your your avatar can take the Eucharist and there are, yeah, there are theological discussions about, you know, whether or not grace can be communicated virtually through these virtual um, Eucharistic elements. And I I think at the very least, let's just say, we're not talking about that sort of an issue when we're talking about these Mm -hmm. kind of um, less than ideal circumstances in which uh, we're not virtually taking communion in that sense, right? We might be virtually in, you know, fellowship and communion through our laptops and iPads and iPhones or whatever, but at least the physical, you know, ingestion of elements is still part of it. And there's still a a desire to be together. We still want to be together. And we are together in that virtual space at the same time, which I I think, given the circumstances, is a good approximation 
John, you said that it's more about time than it is about space. Is that correct, John? Oh, I'm not saying it's more about time than it is about say, space. I'm saying at the very least, right, we are desiring to be together. We want to be together. And at the same time, virtually, we are together. And given the circumstances, we can't be together. So I think, I think the will and the desire is there, right? It's, again, it's not the issue of isolating myself intentionally. I don't need yeah. to be involved in the church. It's just me, Jesus, and my Bible. And I think because the desire is to be there and we want to be there and we want normalcy in the midst of you know, a, a, a severe lack of it, I would say that, that going back to Logan's point about more ideal, less ideal, I think that's a helpful way, at least in my view, to, to conceive of this. No, yeah, I think when it comes to the service that people are live streaming or, or a phone call or, you know, or a Zoom call or something, is there is not just a, you know, you're physically not together, but in the same time and in the, vir- in the same virtual space, you're having a conversation that's mm-hmm. for you. And, and if you recorded a Zoom call or you recorded something like that, and you played it for someone else, someone else on another side of the world saw it, they wouldn't, there's no way that they can participate or necessarily participate in that conversation. In the same way with communion, if, if you're live streaming it, or you're maybe not live streaming it kind of generally, but what Chris has been talking about, kind of like a Zoom and in small groups that Josh was saying, that maybe the, the, the thing that's, that makes something more ideal than less ideal is actually about sharing the same time. And that's something you can do digitally when you're not in the same physical space, but you can take it at the same time or maybe a two second delay on the live stream. But you're, you're, <laughs> sure, sure. yeah, but as close as you can, right? And that's a very different experience to, let's say, I watch a recorded Zoom call of Chris taking, Chris and his church taking communion. That is probably less ideal. Mm-hmm. than a live streamed communion where everyone's taken at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we do have to theologically hold out with the possibility that people can be present and with one another, even though physically absent. And of course, mm-hmm. we see a very clear example with this in some sense of Jesus being with us, even though absent in body, right. having ascended. But also, that's, that's not something point. that uniquely applies to Jesus. Yeah, Colossians uh, 2, uh, 5. Though I'm absent in body, I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your morale and firmness of your faith in Christ. And then also in 1 Corinthians 5, when Paul is, is, is judging the sexually immoral guy, he says, I'm with you in spirit. I'm sure there's debates over w- what that means, but the principle still holds that there is some kind of meaningful presence that people can have with one another and some deep spiritual connection, a meaningful, real, and dare I say valid connection even though physically apart. It's not, and it seems it's not time-bound either, right? You have the delay yeah. in the letter that Paul sends yes. and all different things. And that's why, that's why I would question what, what is presence and what um, kind of binds us together in the whole thing is really the Holy Spirit, right? So if the Holy Spirit is the thing, is, is God himself that mediates all of these, everything, like the grace and aspect of whatever you you, the Eucharist and communion, it seems to me that digital presence, although is, it's a shadow or just like a not ideal, it's still presence because the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that dwells in the pastor, 
giving the communion and the people that are actually in the service and the homebound individual that is that can't go to church service person that's watching it on on live stream the holy spirit's the one that is mm. the pre makes the presence happen makes the community mm -hmm. happen and i actually counsel people against online groups you know because mm -hmm. online groups can't you can't have that same kind of tangible presence with each other and and kind of read each other's body language and all that kind of different stuff and just being with each other is really powerful but in a time like mm -hmm. this uh, we can fall back i think on our theology understanding that it's less ideal because we're not with each other but we're with each other in spirit and that speaks to our faith not in the fact that the communion is the thing that saves us or the communion is the thing that binds us together it's the god that issued the command for us to do communion. Yeah, I think I think uh, another thing that comes to mind about the ideal less ideal uh, category is the provisions made for the poor and the distant in the Pentateuch um, regarding uh, activities in the temple. So there are provisions made for people who are too far away and can't bring stuff to the, te to the temple. Mm. Um, what are they supposed to do to worship uh, and rejoice? Uh, and there are also provisions made for the poor for people who can't afford certain sacrifices. Uh, I just I just think that there's um, the fact that provisions are made for those people in situations that make it difficult for them to do what is regularly prescribed means that there are still things that can be real and valid and significant that people can do even if they're not aligning with the most ideal situation. And I think in this instance, we should be making provisions for those who are forcefully shut up in their homes, which is right now, I believe, the majority of us on this podcast. And when we talk about ideals, like maybe we're talking about our ideals, our ecclesial ideals, that we're just basically saying this is our ecclesiology, it's our ideal for what we think is the best thing. But I would, I would ask maybe another question, is there a difference in quality between the um, being in each other's presence and taking communion right there with each other, with the elements, with the pastor, or... And then maybe the digital part of it is the less quality, less tangible, less substantive, but at the same time still an act of worship and meaningful. Yeah, no, that that's a really good question. I've been seeing a lot of people as as we as having these different conversations. Is that I feel like maybe it's just me, but I feel like we keep having the tendency to put you know scare quotes around church during these these past few weeks, where it's like, oh, we're doing quote unquote church digital and it's like well but what else can we do we can't we can't do anything else we don't have another option and i think this ideal less than ideal i think is helpful way to say it's not in, in terms of you know valid versus invalid but i i don't know if i don't know if in these times we can say that what we could say that we would prefer one option over the other i'd prefer to be physically present with my church and give lots of hugs and high fives. But I wouldn't say that the quality is, in, is different because ultimately the quality isn't about us. You know? We're, you know, we don't qualify the service. I think there'd be a danger in saying in this specific time, this specific season, what we can offer God is less than and what he can, what he can offer us is less than another kind of season. That makes sense. So I, I agree with you. I, I think I was throwing the question out as kind of devil's advocate. Mm. I think I agree with you because I think I think God is a God of seasons, right? He he works differently in different ways in different seasons. There's a consistency, there's a coherency through it all. But we have to figure out what he's up to and, and we can't just sit there and go, Well, this season sucks because and it's it's a less than season. 
there's a way that our people are going to connect digitally that they wouldn't have ever connected physically. Hmm. And, uh, and it's going to be powerful. Yeah. And, and I, and I have just been seeing so many people comment on how much of a missional opportunity this is. I mean, Hmm. most, I mean, most churches here in the UK, one don't know what technology is. So, I mean, there's a few that do, but most don't, they don't actually really utilize technology very well. And seeing so many churches, I mean, even if they're just struggling and it just on like an an iPod or something, you know, an iPod, an iPhone or something live streaming, people are still watching. People are still engaging. People are still like have like this weird window into a, a service. And they're like, oh, that's, they're not that crazy. Mm. They sing songs that, you know, and, and they're getting this, this very different experience. And I know in the States, obviously live streaming is, is, you know, within mega churches is pretty normal, but over, I think over here in the UK, like, if your church has like a podcast, like just an audio podcast, like you're, they're, wow, they're like tech savvy. And now suddenly overnight, a, a ton of churches are now live streaming their services in with like the, sometimes the worst cameras possible, but they're being faithful in this season. <laughs> and, and it's, right, and it's, and so right. many people are getting to, you know, churches that would have, you know, you know, 12 or 15 people are now suddenly having 70 to a hundred people live streaming. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think, man, I don't know, God's doing something and bringing uh, light out of this really dark time. Yeah. That point about bad tech at our church, we have some videographers and filmmakers. People have been asking, you know, our pastor, you know, like, uh, you know, who are these people and can we get them to help us out and things like that. And it's, it's it's funny because uh, what what our pastor said is well you know people don't really want fancy right now they want familiar and I think that's mm-hmm. a really great really great point it's, yeah. like, it's really not about how good the tech is you know it, it really is about familiar because it's just not a normal time you know in in any sense of the word well in my mind we've got most of us are either in week two or week three of virtual church uh, we're looking at doing this for the foreseeable future, um, most definitely through Easter, um, which brings a lot of this to a head. I think in my mind, we, we sort of have to sort of crystallize some of the issues to exactly this. My, my friends over in South Korea that, that started this process much earlier, they were going on week eight, nine, and 10 mm. as, as mm. doing church away from one another. And so when we come to the real crux of the question of, well, what is communion? Why is it important? Um, if we're of the view that it is a means of grace, um, a sacramental means of grace for the church, for her members, eight to 10 weeks sounds like an awfully long time to, uh, to forgo this. Um, I've heard comparisons to Lent and fasting as if this is something that we would be able to sort of uh, forgo for a season. But I, I, I would resist the idea that we fast from the Eucharist as if this is something that we give up. I don't think we fast from I don't think we give up um, the grace that, that God provides to us um, through this gift. Mm-hmm. And, and so I yeah. think it's, it's responsible for us as, uh, as, as leaders of the church and as members of the church to, to really find ways of, of if, 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 if we're going to use the word approximate or, or less ideally try, um, I actually think that we're, we're doing something that meets the need. Um, 
And as long as all the cares are given to uh, properly uh, bless and administer the words of institution, um, to properly administer uh, the warnings uh, for the elements, um, I think that this is something that we should be doing. We should encourage church to do responsibly in their, in their uh, church settings, in their particular church meetings, um, and uh, be able to uh, really claim communion, both in a general and specific way. Yeah, and, and and Chris, I mean, to show my cards a little bit, even though I am in the Church of England, uh, in, in my mind, this is one of those situations where uh, the traditions of the fathers end up keeping you from holding to the commandment, right? And so there's, Jesus deals with this issue, right? If if you, you, you create traditions in order to protect the commandment to make sure that you don't transgress it, but there are some very rare instances in which you following to the tradition actually means that you break another commandment. Now, in my mind, the, the high church restrictions, as we've put it, on communion are there so that we respect it and keep it sacred and that we don't just do communion willy-nilly whenever we want, thus disrespecting the activity and the, sac- and, and the sacrament. And so that's why I think those, those rules are in place in the Church of England and in many other uh, churches, as Brandon noted. But I think in this instance that if we hold to those rules, like such as there always has to be a priest that blesses it or else you shouldn't take it, that means that we end up denying the commandment of Jesus himself to do this in remembrance of him. Uh, and so I do think that there's a kind of odd conflict that is arising for many in this moment and in this instance i think there's a very good argument to side with the commandment of jesus himself and in in that sense i think there's a very theological theologically strong case to be made that we should be bypassing the the our our ancestral traditions so to speak it's tricky but i do think there's a a, we're on solid theological footing there and i think one of the weird things about uh, I mean, so I've served in several different denominations, and the one I'm in now has a strong view on communion and has a has a high value for it. But the liturgy and the structure is is not there, and that's that's one of the things we miss. To be completely honest, spending time in the Presbyterian Church in Scotland was one of those beautiful times where I got to really be involved in liturgical structure. Or a church that had a high value on liturgical structure, and even though it wasn't as high church as some Church of England, some of the other things that we did visit, uh, just the way they viewed communion and the way they kept it um, structured and sacred was a beautiful thing. So I think we can't lose that no matter what we do. Even if I'm having uh, group leaders do it, or the pastor figures out a way to do it online, or whatever we do, the, the contemplative act of it, like Chris was saying, and the the words and the warnings are the most important aspect of uh, just participation with with each other and in the new covenant, right? I think communion and taking the the Eucharist is is already a mediated thing that through the elements, the body and blood of Jesus are mediated to us. They become something, and so in a digital world now that we live in, as we are hopefully shut in into our homes and not going out to help everyone um, and save the world. In this time, there's so many, we're, we're interacting with so many different layers uh, and so many different uh, mediations of things, of people through, I mean, even this 
this podcast is uh, being mediated through technology. I think as we continue to explore what this means for the church, we should be remembering that in all of this, we have a, we have a theology and a doctrine and a faith uh, in which the presence of God is mediated to us through the Son, through Jesus Christ. And in communion, we experience that as well. And so, I don't know, just as we're thinking about these things, that we already have a mediated reality uh, and digital and technology is just yet another step in that mediation. I think this has been a really helpful uh, and fruitful conversation to think and reflect about virtual communion as as saints together, uh, even virtually, and and as uh, as we think about the Eucharist and, and really what it means. I think this situation, this coronavirus COVID nineteen outbreak, has uh, really caused us to think creatively, innovatively, and 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 more deeply about our ecclesiology and uh, our our sacrament view of the sacraments. So, thank you all for for joining and being a part of this great conversation. Thanks, John. like more engagement of theology, culture, and discipleship from The Two Cities, you can find us on Facebook or visit us at our website at thetwocities.com.